Hey everybody, welcome to Bros, Bibles, and Beer. This is the BBB Pod. This is Jeff coming to you from uh, somewhere in Southern California. Hey, Zach, how you doing? It's my name, it's not my identity, Jeff. <laughs> Andy? I'm a protester. I protest. <laughs> Scott? Mostly peaceful. And we've officially seceded from Northern California. Applause is in order, Jeff. You nailed that. First (laughs) time ever, right at the buzzer. Kind of like our favorite basketball player right now, Anthony Davis. (laughs) (laughs) Now now this is where you keep talking, Jeff. Go ahead. (laughs) Sorry. How are you guys? How is everybody? Tremendous. This is good, but I don't like this. It's like we're sitting at, at a bar right now. For the listener, we're all like lined up side by side because we're not alone. We have someone dialed in. But we have a single camera. This is just merely a single cam show. We don't have the big budget it's yet. It's not multi-cam. We're not multi-cam. We're still small time. So we'll, we'll get the laugh tracks in there, too. Yeah, once we get over the 100,000th download, download, then we get a second camera. Listen, that's when the second camera comes in after the 100,000th download. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get speech da- lessons. Yeah, Daffy Duck. <laughs> uh, but we're not alone. We're joined by a guest. Jeff Whitney. Hi, Jeff. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing great. And uh, this is a lifelong dream to finally be on the BBB. <laughs> I've, been, I've been listening in the wings for a long time. Oh, well, we appreciate you listening, and we'll let you give glowing reviews as this podcast unfolds. Or prepare to I know. be I need to disappointed. Do that too. I need to put a review on the Apple podcast. So oh, that's a that. great. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, because listeners should give us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. That'd be great. <laughs> Bros, Bibles, and beer. It just shows how lazy their listeners are. They just won't get to the review. It's been a minute. We were even reading the one and two stars. So <laughs> <laughs> Those are more fun. I like the one or two stars. I think you're horrible. You make no sense, and you just don't even answer questions. <laughs> that hey, sounds stop about right. talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Scott. <laughs> So, so Jeff, uh, how are you? How are you here? How are you connected? Why are we? Why are we even talking to you? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. Um, I, uh, I I know Zach. I'm an I'm a ne- another neighbor of Zach, and uh, yeah, yeah. And so I, I I probably heard about the podcast. I don't know. It's maybe about two years ago, and I listened to a couple episodes and uh, really loved it. Um, uh, I, I probably would say that my my views and alignment are probably a little bit different. They're more like uh, they tend to be more like uh, the direction Zach is headed into uh, over the last uh, bit, um, but uh, maybe even further. And uh, I love hearing other views, and I love hearing uh, the the different views you all bring to it. And I don't know, I find it really fascinating. So that's that's actually that's that's impressive. Uh, you know, he's heading your direction, which is the pits of hell, right? Zach? Is, is he calling? I don't know. Ask Scott. I, no, everybody goes to heaven, as far as I'm concerned. What is Scott? Where am I headed, Scott? Don't follow. Don't follow Zach. <laughs> well, I for one would like to welcome you to Zach's Neighborhood Podcast. Yes, <laughs> where we interview everyone who lives in Zach's neighborhood. Yeah, it's funny. We've had a couple of these conversations over the fence, like in a sitcom. 
And one of them went for a couple hours. Like my kids kept coming outside. When are you going to feed me? And I'm like shushing them away. Like, hold on a second. This is just getting good. And so a couple of those were like, ah, oh, this is a podcast. You got a good story. And so that's, that's what we're about more than uh, anything else is honesty. And I hate the word authenticity because it's overused these days. But if, if authenticity were a real thing in that, tr- the truest sense of the word, like that's what we're about. And, that's what our conversation was over the over the fence. Yeah. And I guess we were talking over the fence mostly because and we're doing this you're a next door neighbor and we've recorded previously in my house and uh and now we're in the uh, palatial estate of somebody else in their multi-million dollar studio. That's not true. <laughs> it is nice, but I'm just I'm words are coming out. So, um uh, <laughs> but you are on Zoom with us tonight because you have you have some COVID concerns. We share a little bit about that because that's a, a different thing. Yeah. So, you know, everyone's kind of has a different take on what's going on with COVID. Uh, at our house, we've been definitely over, over safe. And uh, I don't really know what the right answer is. Uh, all I know is, you know, what I what I'm going to do here. And uh, what what I feel is kind of right for me and and my uh, family. And so I live at home right now. I have uh, two older children that still live at home that are uh, just about to turn 18 and 21. My last two. And then I have two that are out uh, of the house who are 24 and 22. And so, uh, yeah, I'm. it's us four living here and we've kind of built a little pod and uh we're in a unique position where none of us have to really go to work um and so we're just playing it safe until things kind of clear up and we also have some uh, medical conditions my younger son or my uh yeah my younger son has type 1 diabetes and so he's uh, very susceptible to issues uh, including covid and then my daughter and wife have really insane allergies and asthma. So not something we really want to get, but we're able to play it safe, so we do. Right on. Well, you should stick to your T-shirt. No excuses. <laughs> Sorry. No excuses. I uh, know. I, I got this shirt, actually, at the last concert I went to last year before COVID. I wanted my kids. Nice. And, uh, yeah, you got this. So, What was the artist? Yeah, yeah what band or artist? Uh, it, it was his name is NF. He's oh like, yeah, uh, yeah, hip hop guy. Yeah. Her name is Carrie Underwood. <laughs> <laughs> my my seven year old loves NF. I don't know what it is. And but. Yeah, my kid loved it, and so I went with them, and it was fun. It was really it was an experience. Nice. Hey Jeff, Jeff, <clears throat> yeah. oh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, Which Jeff? Look at your phone right now. Me. No, yeah, which, you're gonna have to do better than that, Scott. <laughs> you, um, no, actually, um, Scott, we are podcasting right now. I, what? I know. What's? I know, but it might be something. Oh, okay. <laughs> hold on. Uh, no, I did want to, uh, Jeff. I did want to um, comment on. I mean the the health, you know, the health issues. Um, it's not, it's something that I, I get a little, um, you know, like you said, we all have different, um, views on, you know, what's been taking place. 
And right. I, my family has been fortunate enough to not, we don't have allergies. We don't have things that we have to deal with. And so that kind of makes, when you experience something, you definitely, you can have a better, a much better understanding where people are. And uh, nice. sometimes I'm a little short with, uh, especially during this time, I've been short um, in my, um, I, I, I've just been short with people in just being patient. Um, but, hey, to, but to connect, yeah, yeah, yeah. But to, you know, it's when people, been a real tough time. Yeah. But, but it's something I don't have to deal with. My family doesn't have to deal with. But I think the biggest um, challenge we've had is we haven't been able to connect with as many people. And when we connect, then we have a much better understanding and compassion. And so it's good to, you know, get to talk to somebody who's like, hey, we've got some issues here. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to put that in my back pocket. That's, uh, that's good to know. And it helps me understand where people are. So, yeah. And like, yeah, you know, my work, like we, they announced, uh, I think in maybe May that we were out of the building until next year. And they already announced that we're basically a hundred percent remote until at least fall of 21 right now. And so it's just, uh, yeah. So I'm in a way different, I mean, they're basically preparing us all for remote work. That's what we're doing. We're, we're getting all the equipment, all the stuff, all the training, all the, you know, all, all that sort of stuff ironed out with people and internet access. So that's just the route that my particular work is going. And I know that that is not the situation for everybody else. Like my older son works and he's still out in the workforce and he work he lives in an apartment and he's working. So he's not, he's not doing what I'm doing, but, uh, he's in a different boat. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, maybe- I get it. I have ma- massive sympathy for everyone right now. And I know it's a super hard time and no one really knows the right answer. And we're all just trying to get through this. Oh, so. some people know the right answer, Jeff. I <laughs> mean, if you're looking for the right answer. You've come to the right place. Really you glad you four different correct answers. That's yeah, right. Really glad you called in because this is going to be helpful for you tonight, Jeff. <laughs> but maybe this is a good point to kind of, uh, uh, pump the brakes and so so i you and i haven't met before obviously again you're neighbors with with zach and um jeff have you met jeff before one time maybe I think at my birthday party but uh maybe take a moment <laughs> just kind of okay describe who 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 are you who's jeff whitney and uh tell us a little bit about yourself and then you know we can kind of take it from there and and i think you zach has alluded to you having kind of an interesting history so yeah yeah what gives you the right <laughs> All right. So uh, I'll give you a little, uh, a little, maybe some of the important background, maybe about where, where I've been uh, in terms of religion over my life. I was born into a Christian household, actually Harvest. If you guys know of Harvest and Greg Laurie. Um, to one of family. us, to one of us, that is the correct Christian. That is. Okay. There you go. Well, right, Scott? Uh, <laughs> When I when I was growing up, I went to school or I went to school and uh, church weekly at Harvest, and it was really tiny back in the day, and it's it exploded over the years. Um, you know, I was there when it was a really tiny little building, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger over the years. So I went to church, and I was uh, you know um, as a kid, and I learned all the stuff that the, the normal non-denominational type Christian teaching. 
Um, it was always important to me when I became a teenager, I started, you know, being more teenagerish and, you know, doing my own thing. Any really uh, good episodes that came out of that? Like specifically, like what, what kind of drugs or how much, what, yeah, I don't know. How much Billy was, Idol were you listening to? <laughs> I, I was a good, I was a clean, you know, I was clean. I was good. I was like, uh, you know, not really, I, I was definitely no drugs or anything like that. Uh, even alcohol, I approached very timidly early on and then started experimenting a little bit, maybe right around college. But uh, I actually left. Um, um, I, I actually, uh, had a, a girlfriend who's now my wife. She was my high school girlfriend. She actually, we met each other when, uh, I think she was, uh, fourth grade, I think is probably when I first saw her and I was a year ahead of her in school. She was on my sister's softball team. So that's how long and how old and back and far back we go. Right. But to the listener, I, I will say you don't, you guys don't strike me as having a couple of 20 somethings. So, so you had, <laughs> well, you had to have gotten we, started early. Well, they met, yeah, they met so, in fifth and fourth so. grade. So sixth grade, seventh grade, you know, right in there. They had a two year old when they entered into high school. <laughs> We, we started dating uh, when I was a junior and she was a sophomore um, in high school. And we've been together basically ever since. And so after, after high school, she was a year behind me. I went to UC Riverside straight out of high school. That's where I grew up, on Riverside. Um, and uh, yeah, and I went to UCR for a year. And when that ended, um, we, uh, and she was getting out of school. She got admitted to Santa Barbara and I applied there and got admitted as well. And we were going to go to school up at UCSB. She was going to move into the dorms and I was going to, uh, move into a closet with yeah. six. I think there were 16 people in a four bedroom house. And I, I was going to be sharing a walk-in closet. All right. Wow. So now but, we know you're telling the truth. Cause that is exactly <laughs> how, uh, IV is set up. That is it's exactly actually the, it's the most, uh, dense population, like per, per square foot West of the Mississippi. Jeff was running herd immunity early in his life. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. I loved it there. They, but, got, they uh, got herd immunity to AIDS out there. That's how thick and populous it was. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Scott's even laughing. So, so. Yeah, so we we uh we went to school, me and her went to school out there, but the thing that kind of threw everything for a loop at the time was her dad, my wife's dad was not super into me. Uh he he kind of wanted my wife to just go to school and start new and just, you know, get out of Riverside and what go was have that a new ab- life. What was he that does, about? He, wait, wait. He does know that women go to college to get married, right? I, mean, that, I, that I, the- I don't know if he got the memo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was that about? But, was there a, a particular thing? Like, was there a headbutting episode or just... Nah. I, I think it was just more like I was the high school boyfriend and he, you know, they didn't want... Uh, I, I mean, he... So when he found out I was going up there as well, he had me over and, and asked, you know, for us to reconsider that plan because he didn't want us to be playing house. And I was like, I don't know what that even means. I don't have a house. I have a I half do. of a closet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Did he then take so, a moment there to like 
literally just play house with you for him <laughs> for like thir- 20 or 30 minutes and see, get some dollies out. See, Jeff, this is how it works when you play I'm house. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is house. Now, real quick, um, t- what was Tara's background? Where, where was she coming from? I just said her name. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, totally. And that yeah. was that's the first. Is that the first time her name has been mentioned on a podcast ever? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> rad. Ooh. She's, uh, she's been on. She's she's kind of known in the photography, and she used oh, to be yeah. really well known in scrapbooking, and so she's been on lots of stuff. She's way more known than me. That's rad. She has like ten or twenty thousand followers or something on her uh, on her uh, oh, Instagram. Wow. So. Do you yeah, want to so give her? She she does photography for a living, correct? Give her a plug. Yeah, she's a photographer. Yeah. Is there a, yep. a website or anything you want to plug it? TaraWhitney.com. Boom. Yeah. And so, yeah, she does photography. Right now, she's not doing anything, but, uh, or she's not doing that. She's doing other creative projects and things. But uh, yeah, so she was, she's a photographer and she's definitely more famous than me. Um, and she's been on stuff, but yeah, she doesn't mind, but, but yeah, dad she, doesn't she like you. In, so dad's telling she, you, so, yeah, oh, so. the dad didn't like me. And the, really the, the really big thing that happened was the dad said he was not going to pay for her college if I went Ooh. to that city. And so what is every, uh, you know, what does every young, uh, you know, fighting man say, Oh, well I'm going anyways. Now I really want to do it. You say I can't. Now I'm doubling down. <laughs> yeah. And so we doubled down. We ended up saying, fine, we'll pay for it ourselves. And me and her moved up there and we ended up getting an apartment and getting jobs and living wow. in Santa Barbara. Where'd you, guys, so, live in, where'd you guys live in Santa Barbara? He was worried about you guys playing house and you ended up playing house. <laughs> and we ended up playing, he forced us in the house. Yeah. And you know, like we're, we're good friends now. I mean, back in the time it was, you know, we had, we had some fighting and the next thing didn't help it much either. So about a year in to being at Santa Barbara, um, Tara got pregnant and that's probably why I look like I shouldn't have kids, but, <laughs> uh, she got pregnant and I, you know, abortion was just not something that I believed in. And I, I, you know, that's just, I was pretty firm on it and it wasn't something I really thought was right. And so I, was that a, was that a, a pretty robust discussion that was on the table? Um, I mean, it came up, but it wasn't, it was dismissed pretty quickly. And the weird part was I actually got, called back to, uh, back to the, uh, the backyard of my, uh, my wife's father's house. (laughs) And, uh, after, after they found out that she was pregnant and, you know, a pretty firm talking to, I needed really consider that option, but, uh, (laughs) it wasn't, it wasn't something I was even open to. So we didn't really get far. So you're used to some robust backyard conversations. Uh-huh. That's a little callback to you and I, but uh, keep going. <laughs> and where where was Tara at on that? Uh, so she she wasn't. I mean, we were both kids, you know. Like uh, I I was nineteen and she was eighteen, and we didn't really know what we were doing or what was going on. We had moved away from our families and were separated, alone, trying to make it. And uh, 
it was tough. It was some tough times and neither of us really knew what to do. Uh, I went through a few months where I was just depressed and not sure what I was doing. And eventually I just decided, you know, I've got to get married and I've got to take care of this family. And, uh, you know, didn't necessarily wasn't thinking it was going to happen then, but I just said, that's it. I'm going to put my head down and do it. So we ended up, um, getting married in, uh, what, 95. And, uh, we got married in, uh, November. And then uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, was born in February, the next uh, three months later. And we started our life, and that's how we started. And then just boom, 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 three more kids came out. And before I realized, uh, <laughs> you know, that we had to stop washing our clothes in the same laundry machine, what I, that's what I'm told is how it happened. <laughs> Uh, it's an incredible know. metaphor. I don't know how this is going on. I, I'm not sure what's happening here, but we keep having kids. <laughs> I know. And uh, yeah, so that ended up happening. But yeah, in the back of the beginning, uh, you know, we went, when we said we're going to do that and that was our plan, basically uh, uh, her parents told me I was crazy and living pipe dreams and they weren't going to help us. Mm. And, um, and my parents were going through a divorce. And so I wasn't really siding up with either one. And so I wasn't really welcome with either of them <laughs> at the time because I wouldn't pick a side. And at the time and you so, were still, were you still in the similar faith vein as the harvest, Greg Laurie? Yeah. So we have really, we really weren't going to church, but I knew at that time that, you know, religion was a really important thing to me. And I saw growing up, my parents, they, they were not really on on the same page with religion. And so the message I learned from that as a kid was I need to be on the same page with my wife. And so we talked and we were like, this is something we need to do. And I, at the time, I had a really good friend, a childhood friend I'd grown up with who was Mormon. And he kept saying, hey, listen to the missionaries, listen to the missionaries. And I eventually did. And for whatever reason, it sound I, I don't even know exactly why it sounded appealing at the time, but it sounded appealing. Um, there was a whole community there. They're really, uh, you know, supportive of new members and such. And we were looking for something and I just wanted to be something together. Okay. And I, I honestly, what I, I wanted to be something Christian together. And, uh, I was convinced at the time that Mormonism was essentially the same thing, just a different version of Christianity, a different kind of church. And, uh, so we actually ended up both getting baptized and we joined the Mormon church. Um, and we did that in December. So we were married in November, joined the church in December, and then had our first baby in February. Of course you did. You became a yeah. Mormon for goodness sakes. <laughs> I know. And I already had a I already had a baby on the way. They welcomed me right away. It's <laughs> so hard. It's so hard to walk away. That Mormons are so happy and amazing people. I've never run into yes. a Mormon that was even frowned. They're generally well put together yeah, and absolutely. very very friendly and uh, family first. So yeah. I'm curious about the like the whole intro from you know, like the zero to one of becoming a Mormon 
and maybe one is 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 at the point of baptism but up until then so and forgive me because uh i like i don't i've actually never been on the inside of a mormon church i don't know if you guys have here uh yeah tanya ran into the mormon tabernacle in uh salt lake and she was very scared and ran fast out, out of there she's like i think people are coming for me i'm like they're not they're not okay maybe maybe get in the car <laughs> okay so you literally just sprinted inside i meant a little bit more like <laughs> thanks for nothing of- jeff oh no i'm sorry i have been in I, I had a mormon girlfriend in high school growing up so i have been in the mormon church okay I hope that's yeah, not. I so hope that's not a metaphor. Of your wife. We're talking she about the building now, right, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Jeff, Jeff. Our Jeff. We need to delineate right now. We got two Jeffs. I'll be Jeff, and he'll be Jeffrey. <laughs> hey, Pearson. Oh, thanks. Pearson, okay, I'll, I'll be Pearson. Pearson's better. Pearson, your wife wants you to check your phone and yeah. Thanks. I've been back. doing it. Okay. Okay. Hey, Scott. Right. Hey, Scott. Guess what? We're in the middle of an interview. So far, both of Scott's contributions have been related to telling Jeff to look at his goddamn phone. Sorry, Scott didn't say that. That's compelling. Scott and rich. didn't say GD. So, so I'm curious. Just uh, you'd mentioned that you ha- you'd met a friend, you had a friend, and you had that that certain connection there. But uh, now, coming from maybe a little bit more of a traditional Christian background, uh, talk me through a little bit of what that looks like to step foot into a a mormon church and uh, i mean really what we're all getting to is are they also singing chris tomlin songs or do they have their own amy grant (laughs) Uh, they they have really boring music really uh it's (laughs) compared to what i came from you know at harvest they had basically a light rock band and it was great you know you go in there and it's really amazing music every week but at Mormon church, it's hymns. You have a hymn book, and everybody sings the hymns, and you flip to the certain page, and there's three different hymns you sing every week. Are there any and, classic uh, hymns, or is it like a Mormon version, or they have their own hymns? It's their own hymns. Okay, this is all new to me. This is fascinating. I like this. They, yeah, there's the their, tabernacle choir. Own, That's right. Yeah, and they, they got their own song, basically, that you sing. And there's a songbook, and they, they have three different numbers up on the board at the front of the um, meeting room uh, during the main meeting that you go to, um, which is, the, they call it the sacrament meeting. Um, and basically, in that, it's a one-hour meeting, and it's the beginning of church, which is three hours. Whoa. And and uh, the first hour is that sacrament meeting, and you sing out of this hymn book. And so it was really strange for me because I grew up going to this light rock, and and then we go in, and it's this very you know the whole just people singing, no music even accompanying it, just you just all sing. Oh wow! That's, yeah, and so they're like, "This isn't Stephen Curtis Chapman. What is happening <laughs> here?" Yeah, and I, I was a Mormon for 10 full years, basically, and uh, fully in. I, I've done, so the main the main church is not that scary, just the main meeting halls you see everywhere. You know, they're just regular church buildings. The only real difference to me was, you know, it, it's, it is it uh, is a much more organized experience. You know, my the church at Harvest was like, you kind of show up whenever, you go whenever, you go wherever. The, the room was so huge. There's hundreds of people there. No one knows if you're really there. You're not there. They don't care and, if you're wearing rainbows or not. They don't care really. And in and in the Mormon in the Mormon church, you wear a shirt and tie. 
you know everybody in the building in in your meeting room they break it all out and organize it and you go to a three-hour thing it's not like you can skip part of it or show up late you need to be there they'll talk to you if you if you do that kind of stuff and so what do you mean they'll talk to you um they'll come and tell you yeah you know you can't do that you know you're interrupting and you're doing this and you're doing that and why aren't you showing up on time and and they'll do that about everything really i mean it's uh they 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 stay on top of um you know following watching over the membership and so and in general yeah Yeah. i I don't want to rat hole down this too much but it's fascinating to me because i i don't know much of this kind of detail and so I'm curious about what a normal Sunday looks like in the in the Mormon church. How is that that kind of like interaction generally received? Are people kind of like, you know, complicit or just okay, yes, I I'll receive that and I'll I'll do better. Yeah, I think uh you know, you you adapt to it and become used to it. Um and it's there's a lot of good to it. There's a lot that's awesome with it. Um you know, spending a dedicating a big chunk of every Sunday is a different experience than being able to blow something off for me. At least it was, it was like, people are going to notice if you're not there, they're going to worry about you. It's not something that you can just have an off week and not show up. Like you don't show up and someone will show up at your house with a casserole later that night because something is wrong. Wow. (laughs) So it sounded like in the, the point of time of life you were in, there was a lot going on, a lot of chaos and maybe the structure was, was something that was welcoming to you. Yeah. I mean, and I'd give you one other huge example. Like there was, I mean, there's a lot of good in the Mormon church and I actually love the people. Um, and I think that's probably what I was drawn to the most is, uh, they're just really good people and they really care about the other members. Um, and it's, you know, you're kind of all in together and it's not just a Sunday church. It is a, I mean, I did church stuff almost every single day. Um, and, uh, you know, they lay out the whole week. You have a a family home evening night, you have assignments, the whole church is volunteer, but it's volunteer as you get callings from God. And so, you know, you could say no, but you're saying no to God essentially is how it's taught. So would yeah. people let you know what your callings from God were? Yeah. They would tell <laughs> they would he would tell you. Yes. He so tells you, have you what your calling is. Oh. And then what was your calling? From God. Yeah. Did you so get a calling? I, I could probably I mean I could probably give you an entire uh show on just uh, my experience in the Mormon church, but uh it was it, it was very positive in many ways for us. It provided a lot of structure, a lot of community. Um, and, you know, like e- even things like, um, you know, like the, the alcohol that I was starting to potentially drink at Santa Barbara, that ended. I was completely alcohol free, not a drop my entire 20s. The well, that's not, that's not supported like on this podcast. We don't support not <laughs> drinking. Well, it's a nightmare. <laughs> and, and, and it was not just alcohol. It was it was coffee and tea, you know. No drinking coffee, no drinking tea. And I followed all of those rules. We that's we right. followed all of them at our house. That's right. So until they invested in Pepsi, and then that became okay. Is that exactly. I've heard that? Is that true? Yeah, I, I've heard that before. Uh, no, coffee and tea are still not allowed. Okay, but Pepsi uh, is they, right. They allow Coke, but oh. it's kind of frowned upon. Like the actual verse says, "Hot drinks are not for the belly." 
Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, no one really knows, but it's been interpreted to mean no coffee and tea. So herbal tea is allowed, but coffee and tea aren't. And then that makes you think, well, is it caffeine? And no, because Coke is allowed, but it's frowned upon. And so you're really not, it's kind of frowned upon to drink Coke. So most Mormon parties, you're going to see things like root beer and Sprite and things. Um, you're not going to see Cokes, but it happens and people drink Coke and it's not forbidden. But if you drink coffee, you literally cannot go to the temple. And those are maybe the Whoa. scary versions. Ooh, are they checking people's breath at the door? No, you have to go to the bishop and, talk, and get a, a recommendation to be able to be allowed in the temple. And you have to be following all the rules, is, including... Oh, the temple's the, different is, is than... different? Is the temple huh? different than your average? Like, you see the church yes. on the corner. Okay, temple's different. Yeah, so you guys have probably seen the temples. Those are the big, like in LA, yeah. there's a temple in LA. Oh, there's San Diego. Down San Diego. Yeah, awesome. And so those those big buildings are not for church services. They're for special uh, rituals, essentially, um, like uh, a marriage. is called. It, they do a ritual called a sealing, where you're sealed to your, your wife and your children. Um, they have different ceremonies and things you go to the temple to do. And it's really the highest kind of honor and work you do in the Mormon religion. And so you have to be following all the core rules in order to get a temple recommend and then go to temple and perform those services. So, and, and is it, isn't it that um, not just any old Mormon can go to the temple that you have to get the, a recommend before you go there? Right. Yep. Yeah. You have to get a recommend. Yeah, you can't is, just go in. This is so. You can't just uh, go show up. <laughs> this is so uh, different. I'm just thinking of my Catholic upbringing. Um, you know, so short. I mean, it was like, you know, between I've been to the Mormon Church, been to the Catholic Church, and actually, uh, coincidentally, Harvest was the first Christian uh, church I ever stepped into. Uh, where Greg oh, wow. spoke, I know, um, but I uh, I think about the Catholic Did Church, you say first Christian church. You yes, said, yes. Okay, you could argue that you in Catholic. I know what you're doing. Christian you know, what stop I, what you're doing right I, now. I, I want to stop. Evangelical. That. I want to clarify. But the idea of a three-hour service, I've sat through that kind of service in the Mormon Church just once. And um and I was like sixteen, seventeen. So you're it like, was this like you're girl with, ain't worth it. You're, you're like with the you're with the adults, <laughs> and then we went to a, a separate room, and that somebody else you know led us. But um yeah, growing up in the Catholic Church, it's very short. I can get to maybe my NFL football. I can play in the backyard with yeah. my family. But there was I'm like where you know where's the wafer? They usually give a wafer at my church, and then and then we have a, a a glazed donut. You know, about an hour, about an hour uh, in, and uh, now we're being shifted off to some room, and we got to yeah. keep going, going and going yeah. and going. It's a big commitment. I mean, I'm making, I'm, I'm 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 joking a little bit, but it, it's a very big commitment. My high school girlfriend's mom spent every day at the Mormon church. Um, and it seemed like she lived it. You mentioned you did church stuff every single day during those times. That's a huge thing. It takes over. I mean, it doesn't take over your life. It's uh, it's probably a good life. It is a your life. A lot of support. Yeah. I mean, and when we when we moved into our, uh, we, we moved up to uh, Los Angeles. And um, when we, that was my first move in the church. 
And when we showed up, our bishop had contacted our new bishop, and there were probably 30 people. My entire car, my truck was unloaded in about 20 minutes, and my whole house was packed because they just had a small army there to unpack you. And we were like, wow, you know, because we had packed that entire thing solo, just me and my wife, I mean, the fridge, everything. It was hard. And, uh, and then Man, we those Santa up. Barbara Mormons sucked. What was up with that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These LA guys are for real. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we did. So we were, I was basically a devout Mormon. You know, I paid tithing. I did everything. We did the, the I did all of this, the ceremonies in the temple, wore the garments, the magic underwear, you know, that everyone talks about. Um, I did all of that and took it very seriously. And uh, during what? my time, can you take thirty seconds to talk about the underwear? Yeah, honestly, I yeah. what I've only heard magic magic underwear. What is the actual thing that's going on there? So it, they're garments. They're basically men and women have to wear them. They're basically uh, you know uh, under like boxer shorts that go down to about your knees, and and like an undershirt. Uh, white undershirt and they have special markings um, sealed into them and and that sort sort of thing and they're blessed and whatever and there's some stories that they protect you like actually like if you're in a fire everything burns but the garment somehow i that that's not my experience i've never seen any of that but uh, the how it was explained to me the most was that it's kind of a sign uh it's it's not a reminder a constant reminder um, you know, they don't totally say this, but I think a lot of it is so it enforces more modesty, um, with, uh, with people because, you know, if you're wearing a full undersuit, you can't wear tank tops or anything like that. Really. You're not supposed yeah. to show them. So, and they're basically, there's a reminder of you and your, your promise to God and, and to live a, a righteous and moral life. And so that's how I treated them, and I I wore them for ten years. So um, did it did it work? Uh, it reminded me, <laughs> <laughs> especially on those hot days. Yeah, yeah, it sucks, and uh, you can only wear certain things. It sucks more for women, you know. But I think than guys, um, you know, I wasn't. I could wear shorts and a t shirt, and it was all covered, and everything was fine. Um, but yeah, you, you only take them off really for, uh, when you go, when you go, when you take a shower or you go swimming, I mean, that's about it. Otherwise you wear them all the time, 24 seven. Wow. And so, yeah. And so I did that. I did it all. I paid the, what about the I intimate, mean, intimate time. I'm not making a joke. Like yeah, the- so they actually say the three S's, you know, sex, swimming, and shower. Those okay. Are the, okay. That's, those are the three things you're allowed to take them off for. <laughs> all right. That's good. I didn't. I didn't know all that. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. I didn't know the details at all of that. I've, I've heard of it, and I was like, it felt like it was partially just like a, a legend. But uh, that's interesting. I mean, it sounds weird. I think from the outside, you know, magic underwear, but the way it's described within the church as this covenant with God and a reminder. And, uh, you know, a, a promise that you will wear the garments and God will watch after you and protect you. Um, it doesn't seem as weird to me when I, when I was in it, but I definitely have had, had what, back when I wore them, it was hard for me to explain it to anybody. They were like, Oh, are those your, 
magical underwear that are going to protect you. And I'm like, well, it's not exactly like that. Right. You're like, well, yes. do you have a deck of cards handy? I could show you. You know, there's two groups. The, uh, and if, the and more- you, uh, Oh, sorry, Scott. Go ahead. Go ahead, Scott. Wear- okay. Um, thanks, Jeff. Uh, do you, ha- you have to wear the, you have to wear the underwear to get the temple recommend. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And, and then, yeah. So if you, if you don't wear the tip, if you don't, um, wear the garments, you can't get the temple recommend. And if you can't tithe or if you don't tithe, you can't get the temple recommend. Correct. You if don't- you don't follow the word of wisdom, which is the coffee, alcohol, drugs. Uh, if you're not following that, you can't get the temple recommend. So you've really got to be, uh, you know, a practicing member and you have to go before your Bishop. Who's the local, your, your, the leader of your congregation, essentially. Um, and you, you have to, you get interviewed by him regularly and he'll t- ask you questions about what you're doing. And so I suppose you could lie on all this stuff and get it, but, um, I don't know. That's not how I treated it. At the, when I was in it, it was if I wasn't doing something, I'd come clean and then I'd get on a path to get back on. Right now, now the uh, temple recommend. So people people would do this to get the temple recommend, or I mean, maybe, maybe they want to be faithful. That might not be the right, you know, right mindset. But um, can you explain what's so important about the temple recommend and how that's different from being, you know, just a Mormon? And maybe the different level, celestial, celestial, whatever. What does a temple recommend get you that non-temple recommend Mormons don't get? Right. So one of the one of the you, you mentioned the 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 three different kingdoms of heaven. That's one major concept that I think does not exist in most Christian versions I've ever heard. But it, in in the Mormon faith, there's three different levels of heaven. There's the telestial or terrestrial, telestial, and celestial. And the way they're basically described is that the Holy Spirit governs over the bottom kingdom, and it's better than Earth. Um, and it's uh, it's basically still, it's heaven, but it's just slightly better than Earth, heaven. Which isn't saying people. much in 2020. It's not. <laughs> I wonder how, how much better it is. But, you know, most Mormons are going to... It's like Palos Verdes, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I chose that place. Sounds nice, though. It rolls off the tongue. Nice golf course. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Continue, Jeff. No no problem. Yeah, so they uh, basically, you want to get into the top kingdom, which is ruled by God. The second kingdom is ruled by Jesus. And basically, you want to be in the highest kingdom with God. And in order to get in that kingdom, you have to have certain temple um, practices done. And one of them is a temple ceiling or a temple marriage. And so you cannot get married without a temple recommend. You can get married under, under, you know, law, but you can't get married under God's ceiling power to get in the celestial kingdom without a, uh, a temple recommend. So that's one reason why people would want to want to be there. And then if you, if you, um, if you don't get your marriage sealed, does that... that you can never you? be in the celestial kingdom. Right. And then does that prevent you also from um, receiving your own planet as well? Receiving your own what? Planet. 
Champions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the the <laughs> celestial king. If you make it to the celestial kingdom, you're sealed with your spouse, and you then go on to essentially. And no one really knows. This is where it starts getting into a little bit more speculative religion uh, fringe. It's not really written down specifically, but there's stuff that basically alludes to you know you would you would you would follow like this plant, this planet is Jesus's planet. And you would essentially go on to create and, and may have your own planets. And you would still be under the hierarchy of God and Jesus, but you would then start your own thing. And, and you would have be a God, Yeah. You would essentially be a God of your own planet and then have spiritual offspring, which would then become humans. Yeah. And it, that's where, that's where it, it, like I said, it's not, it starts getting a little more speculative what all that looks like. See, see but Scott? yes, ultimately, yeah, you want to be in the top kingdom so that you can, uh, you know, do everything and see, receive the full blessings God yeah. has to offer. See, Scott, yeah. see, even Mormons are sitting around right now going, no, my interpretation is I do get a planet. And, and, uh, and they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> No, it, uh, I'm pretty sure that's what this means. No, I wanted to ask uh, uh, Jeff a question. Do you think that um, Mormonism is, you could, I mean, in terms of all of the following rules, the doctrine, you have it in a lot of religions, but I take Hasidic Jews. Um, do you think there's some parallels with the strictness of being Mormon compared to like a Hasidic Jew that falls very, um, yeah, it's probably not that intense. I mean, I think that's even probably a little bit further, Okay, but yeah, it, it is intense what you have to do. Um, and like I said, it's not just three hours on Sunday. It's in order to really be a practicing member, you really need to be active, engaged every day. Um, it's an everyday of your life type of thing. And, um, yeah, it's it's all in. And and Mormons consider themselves Christians. I know that most Christians wouldn't consider Mormons Christians, but uh we read the Bible, you know, the same Bible that everyone else reads. We believe they we I've been saying we, but Mormons believe in Jesus and God and all of that. They just have like an additional set of scriptures, essentially. The the Book of Mormon. And then they have some other things that are more rules and regulations. Uh, another set of documents called doc, uh, Doctrine and Covenants. But and you so, get, for, for yeah. the average Christian, you get, you receive forgiveness of sins through Jesus. That's what you believe in. You believe Jesus did. Yeah. yeah and so there's the, the Mormons and the Mormons have maybe a different take. So there, and I, don't, I think even in Christianity, it's debated, are you saved through faith or works? or both, or how does that work? I never really got a satisfying answer to that question. Um, but Mormons definitely focus a lot on works, mm. even though you are technically saved by faith. So I never totally understood that, but I know that there was a lot of debate about all of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and um, that, I think that's how they, they get some Christians is they use, they use a lot of the same words. Uh, but they have they have fundamentally different meanings than than uh, let's just say Orthodox Christianity yeah, but or Scott, Evangelical. Part, but Scott, I, most likely they're growing up in that environment. So if people grow up in one environment, they don't know 
I, I'm, they don't know any different because that's right. it's like growing up in a family. It's like, oh no, we cuss and hit yeah. each other. It's like, whoa, that's uh, what are you talking about? That's not right. That's life in the Pearsons. <laughs> yeah, that, but I, that I get be... the point you're making, Scott. Just I, you say they get Christians, like they get Christians because of their the the lingo. Well, they're very mission focused, Scott. It should be worth noted noting that Scott received a Purple Heart for his battles with Mormons on multiple occasions. Oh yeah, and <laughs> like they, you know, Scott. Correct me if I'm wrong. Real quick, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but. Uh, missionaries came to Scott's house and Scott keeps asking the questions and then they keep bringing people that are leveled up from the previous people because right, Scott, they bring the closers. Right. They bring the <laughs> oh, closers because yeah. Scott Coffee's has, for closers. If they you actually get coffee if they do close it. That's the exception. <laughs> Not many people know that. That is great. But Scott is tenacious with his questioning and so they brought the upper ups, right? Right, Scooter? I, I think I think I only made it one level up. Oh, they did bring yeah, reinforcements. I'm going to try again. I'm, I'm, meeting with, uh, they, th- I'm meeting with them on Sunday. They keep of calling course me. you are. Oh, my. Okay. They keep calling me. And so... Um, They're trying to get you with their do, lingo? They, yeah, what they do is, um, you know, that when the new... When the, when they, the missionaries, you know, you got two or three, um, and then you might have, like, a couple of sets of missionaries per ward, um, and then they each have their own cell phone. And they cover, they all, co- they each cover a specific area. Uh, but then when new missionaries come, they just pass that se- the same cell phone off to the new missionaries. So all the numbers that they, they were contacting are still in that, uh, still in that uh, cell phone. So they just keep calling or keep contacting the, the numbers in that phone. So they, I'm in the phone. So they keep, they keep texting me. So. Yeah, and you may have a member actually show up with the missionary. So when I was a member, one of my callings was called a stake missionary. And a stake is a a collection of wards, which is a one meeting group worth of people. And so the the stake is like a big area. It's several buildings and several wards. And so uh, I was a stake missionary for two years. And my basic job was about two nights a week. I would go out with the missionaries on house calls and meet people and do the lessons with them. Or I'd take the missionaries out and get them food. Or I'd, we'd go do a service project, work on somebody's, uh, you know, go do a move or whatever it is they needed. Um, and so I'd knock doors with them sometimes. Hey, best, best. Do you have a best worst, uh, scenario of, you know, best, like went to somebody's house and you had this situation that was, really good crush that you were a member and a worst case scenario like that that was not run for was, your life that was not good i mean we ran into people like uh, uh, scott who wanted to question <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you know the the missionaries love that because that's all they want to do is sit there and discuss this all day with people but they really want to convert people ultimately right. um so yeah we I, when i was a stake missionary we had some uh, we had converted families, and it was amazing, right? You think it feels amazing that you're yeah, spreading this message and that you got this family and they're coming on board, especially when it's a whole family and you're bringing their kids and you're like, wow, this is going to build through the years. It feels good. And then you get yeah. times where people hate you and chase you away or they prank you or they 
they call you over and then let you sit there dinging the doorbell for, you know, an hour until you eventually give up and leave. So yeah, all, all the normal that, stuff happened. That last scenario sounds like everybody loses. Why would they do that? They got to sit there and hear a doorbell Smoke ringing for an ringing hour. It's so. not their house. Hopefully, yeah. If they were smart, they wouldn't call them to their own Pro house. level. Yeah, but I think, I think you asked in the beginning, uh, how did I end up churning from, how did I initially become a Mormon? And I became a Mormon the same way. My, my, my friend got me to eventually listen to the missionaries' lessons. And I invited him over to come over and talk to me and my wife. Uh, and do this initial meeting. And when they leave that meeting, they're going to ask for the next meeting. And then they're going to ask for the next meeting. And then you keep meeting with them and they keep explaining things. And if it eventually sounds good, that ends in a baptism. And that's what happened with me. And so in the middle of that, I'm curious, like, and, and maybe, and feel free to like extend this into you being engaged in the church and staying engaged in the church are you more drawn in by the people or the theology? Um, I, it was more the theology in the beginning for me. We, I, I actually think, though, that the reason why it stuck with us, and especially with uh, me and my wife, is that when we did that move up to L.A., we just landed with uh, just an amazing group of people. And we all bonded with lots of young families just starting out. And it was like, wow, we, we had a whole group of like, I mean, there was probably a dozen young families and we were really tight. We would go do, you know, and we were all on the same page. We weren't drinking and partying and doing all this. We were, you know, bowling and doing service projects and talking about God and, you know, and, yeah. and, and it was good. And, and we loved, we loved that group of people. And when I have ultimately fell away from the church, I had the opposite experience. We were in a ward that was just, we, it just wasn't good for us. We, we weren't uh, connecting with the people the same way. We didn't really have friends. We, our callings were, we were struggling in. And, uh, and when we eventually fell away from the church, it was, it was because of that, the social uh, cohesion died. And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the, uh, like the biblical, you know, the theory of, of religion and all that, that's something that's always been really, it was always super important to me. My wife less so. She was definitely more of a, she liked the feelings and the people and what, what was going on. And so she, she says she believed a lot of the theory. So I don't know if I speak, I want to speak for her, but so was for there, me, was there anything was different important. though? Was there, any, what was different that you were hearing in in terms of the theology, uh, having been raised in it with a Christian right. background? I mean, so I was basically told that it was Christianity, uh, but just a little bit more, uh, more information, even more information about Christianity. And it answered a lot of questions that I struggle with, like that three kingdom thing does not really make, I mean, it sounds kind of strange, but it's, it solved a huge problem for me. Like I looked at people who were not Christians who I thought were good. And I was like, how are this person going to burn forever in hell? That makes no sense to me. And so in Mormonism, they are in the bottom kingdom in a place better than earth. They're just not going to be in the top kingdom. And that sounded to me way more rational. You know, like I couldn't rationally think so-and-so is going to burn forever, but I could think 
uh, they'll just be in a lesser kingdom. And really the only way in Mormonism to go to hell, hell is to actually do what I did. I, I'm, I will be going to hell if Mormonism is true. Oh my gosh. I'll so you be, are following Zach. I will be in outer, <laughs> be in outer darkness <laughs> because well, not technically only did you I are know, too. I knew everything. I took all the sacraments. Yeah. I went to the temple. I learned all the secrets and then I left. And so I'm, the, I'm, I'm going to go to hell, but normal people like all of you, you're, you're going to be in the lower kingdom, according to Mormons. No, not me. You might make it to the middle kingdom actually, because it's possible. I don't know. I'm not sure how the rules work. No, <laughs> but cause I, I, like, I, I, I reject yeah. Joseph Smith. So I, I can't <laughs> make it to heaven. Okay. Well, then you could maybe get to the lowest kingdom, but, uh, <laughs> It sounded better to me. So like things like that kind of filled in some of the gaps um, and uh, it, and it made sense. And the whole fact that Mormons were going over the earth to preach to everyone, that was a thing I just didn't conceptually understand. How are people going to be judged if they don't hear? And the Mormon answer was, you will hear. And then they do this baptism for the dead. So that's another thing they do. We haven't talked about in the temple. They baptize dead people. And their like goal is to baptize every human that's ever existed, essentially, because you cannot go to heaven without having that right. And so, yeah. What do you, what do you mean they baptize the dead? Like, uh, is this a figurative thing or is it a literal thing? So, what, so when you have a temple recommend, you can go and stand in on behalf of a dead person, essentially. So you, you either bring a name that you want. you like, I can bring my grandmother's name. And they will baptize my grandmother and someone will go through the baptism ceremony on her behalf as a proxy, essentially. And you can go and do that on behalf of your dead relatives. You can submit those names and other people will do it. And so when you have a temple recommend, you go to the the big churches every once in a while and you'll go and get baptized like 20, 30 times on behalf of all these different people. Some do you know, some you don't know. Yeah. And that sounds very strange, except for the fact that they believe that you have to have an actual baptism to go to heaven. And that's how they close that part of the, the loop, because otherwise everyone who wasn't baptized is going to be in hell. And that, like you know, it. no one's going to go know, with that. I don't know what it is, but I, I kind of like that. Well, they're covering their bases. Yeah. Now, so yeah. to the discerning listener, you are not a Mormon today. And no. you you had mentioned switching to a different church or a different group. I can't remember the word you used for that. Different ward. Different ward. And yeah, different ward. And so it sounds like your move away or what got you out of Mormonism was more experiential than a theological, like a, a dawning on you that, wait a second, my theology is wrong. Is that true? Or is, was right. it a mix of both or how did that work? Yeah. Now, yeah. So what happened was uh, you don't pick what church you go to or which ward you go to. You are assigned a ward based on where you live. And so you don't, you don't get to just pick and be with your friends. And so it's a diff- different model, but you are divided by where your address is. And so every time you move, you go to a different ward. And sometimes even you get reassigned to a different ward. So we ended up moving out of LA. We moved out and bought our first house out in Valencia. And we went to another ward and it was fine. You know, it was okay, but it eventually it didn't have that connection that we had in the other group. And it was getting, 
increasingly difficult um, in, in our callings. We're we're really really hard. You know, we had we had uh, two or three kids at the time, and it was hard to handle them. And my oldest daughter was so, autistic. Sorry to interrupt yes. you. What do you mean by handle your callings? Um, so uh, you have like a stake missionary. So I was a stake missionary, but at one, when I was at that ward, me and my wife were both teachers. And so we, uh, we would teach children in the second and third hour of church. So after the main sacrament meeting, then you break off to men, women, and then you break off to different age groups for Bible studies and stuff. And, uh, and you go to two more hours of church activities. Which and they during call the, seminary, right? Seminary is the morning one. That's yeah. where high school kids go in the morning before high school and go to church. Wow. Yeah, and this is what, that's what I'm talking about, where they, they, they use similar words, right. but they have completely different meanings. Yes. So seminary, typically in you know evangelical Protestantism, seminary is college right but for in the Mormon in mormonism it's high it's high school uh, uh class. right and right. and they they call 13 year olds elders you know yeah. so yeah, yeah. and they, and like 11 year olds are priests it's very weird like weird words they they right. call people yeah so basically we were we were teachers and we had to I mean, it's hard, right? It's hard to teach. Imagine uh, going into church and you spend your first hour trying to keep, because in the, in the first meeting, your kids are there and you have to like kind of keep them okay. And so you have to, we're trying to keep these two or three kids going and sitting there during lecturing and hymns um, for an hour. And then we break out and we spend two hours trying to, wrangle kids and teach them Mormonism. Uh, and then they want you to stay after it's not even a three hour. It's really like a whole day thing. And then when you leave that, you're expected to go home and pray and do more stuff. And so it was just, we were burning out and we were losing the social connection. And it got to the point where my wife was just like, I can't even go anymore. This is too much. I can't handle all of this. I need to stop. And the bishop would not release us from our callings. And I finally went in and told them, look, you have to release my wife and I'll take her class too. I don't care, wow. but she can't do this. And, and that even took like two weeks. And, uh, well, and I said, I, I need some help here. And he did not release me. And I kept doing this for like maybe six months until I was like at a breaking point. And he finally released me from my Sunday school teaching. And and keep in mind, I, at the time, I believe this man was communicating with God, mm. telling me that God wanted me to do this. And so no matter how hard it was, there was nothing that would have stopped me from doing it. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, how I was, are you going to argue with God? Yeah, I'm you not. can't. But it seemed more and more strange to me that God was doing this. And I was like, why would God do this? He would run my wife literally into the ground and drive her out of church. And now I'm there bringing our kids alone and I'm dying on the vine. And this is, this is, this is the plan. And this is, I mean, it was my test. I'm not sure what this is. 
but uh, it was hard. And so we were starting to fall away at that time, my wife more than I was. Um, and then we ended up moving again. And that's when we moved down to the house we're in now, Zach's neighbor. Um, and when we moved here, we did not inform the new ward that we were coming. And we just kind of took a little bit of a break. And that, you know, my wife was good. She was basically done with it at that point. But for me, I struggled for probably uh, probably about five years. Oh, really. wow. Yeah. I mean, so my, my, my leaving the Mormon church, it ended up turning into my leaving religion. It ended up being me leaving God, me leaving Jesus. And these were major moments in my life where I had to like come to, I couldn't even say those things out loud. Like it was, it was brutal. And, uh, when I moved here to this house, actually, and I was like, okay, I'm okay. Not going to church right now, but I've got to figure out what I need to do because whatever I do, my whole family is going to follow me, right? They're going to follow me. And I have, I have six people who lives and who knows how many lives they're going to grow up to influence. This is the most important thing I'm ever going to do in my life here. I have got to get this right. And I need to know, do I need to go back to church? Or maybe I was tricked and maybe the Mormon church is not the right answer. And I need to pick a different church. And I struggled with that. And I actually prayed every night because I was used to praying every day. I prayed every night for an entire year after we moved here, like on my knees at bedtime for 30 minutes every night mm. without fail begging for an answer what do i do do i go back to church do i go to a different church tell me lead me where am i supposed to go and i didn't get anything and it just kept going and the longer it went the worse it got and but i still wasn't ready to give it up and even after a year i finally decided well maybe it's not Mormonism and I just need to, I need to find something else. So maybe I need to look, go back and read the Bible and figure something out. There's I'm missing something here. And I kept praying for about a, probably a total of about five years, um, once a week. And it, it just kept dwindling off over time. So that first year, I don't even know if it was exactly a year or two years, but it was a long time of nightly prayer I yeah. did fasting once a month where I would fast and, and pray like fast 24 hours. Look, you can stop and, bragging about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I'm I, curious. Mean, I, was, I was all in. Yeah. That's well, what I'm trying to say. Uh, no, and that's clear. I'm just messing with you by the way. But, um, so where's your wife and where's your family in all of this right now? I mean, you're, you're struggling with this and this is a lot of conflict for you. You yeah. kind of, at the beginning, you alluded to your wife is kind of giving you the, I'm, I'm starting to check out sign. So right. talk, talk, can you talk a little bit about what's going on there with your wife and with the rest of your family too? Yeah. So my kids were young. Um, they didn't really know what was going on. My oldest daughter, the one that would have maybe known something, she's autistic. And so she doesn't even, she's, she's not really a normal functioning human. She doesn't operate like the rest of us. Um, so she wasn't, she was just doing her thing. My other kids were really young. They, they barely even knew what was going on. They, they weren't talking about God or 
church they asked about hey why are we going to go to this thing or not and when we said no they were like awesome we get to stay home and watch tv <laughs> or play or whatever um so they were fine but uh and my wife and me i mean she knew what was kind of going on with me we both she never really came out and said i don't believe or anything like that she didn't go through this theological breakdown that that i went through um I even ask her now, like, were you praying? Cause I just assumed she was praying as much as I was. She wasn't as much. Um, she more operates off feelings and she was getting the feeling that she needed to get away from this. And she, and, and so. And is that, and that feeling I'm assuming was just drawn out of the, the duty that was required that she right. was like, I, I can't keep up with this. Not sustainable. It's not sustainable. And I mean, I don't want to make it so transactional, but whatever I'm putting into it, I'm not getting out right now. And right. Um, and, and there's some imbalance there. And she's and to your point, yeah, it's not sustainable. Right. And and I yep. imagine that some of that's connected to what you described before, which is you'd moved wards, you lost this community that you'd had. Yep. And so there, it's like it opened the door for a breakdown. Well, yeah, you have you you had this big imbalance where maybe before I could imagine that at least you know the bucket of community was helping to offset the bucket of responsibility that was being right. asked of it. But once that community bucket was emptied out, now all of a sudden you're just feeling like this is another part time job. And if you have an autistic kid on top of that, I can imagine that the that what you guys are under is just enormous amount of effort. Yeah, and add, add that to all. You have a child that requires a different set of re- different requirements and different needs than other children. Add that to all of the other things you were, all your other responsibilities. That's a lot going on there. It was a lot. And I, I think for me, I offset it with my theological grounding, you know, like I, I really was, I mean, I, I've read, I've read the Bible front to back probably three or four times. I probably read Genesis and the beginning of the new Testament, probably dozens of times. Um, my wife, not so much. I mean, and I, I read the book of Mormon at least five or six times. I read the Doctrine and Covenants was brutal <laughs> reading that, but I've read that one at least twice through. So I was definitely more theologically minded. And to me, I fell back on that, but my wife didn't have that. And so I think you're totally right. When we lost the community, the bad, you know, wasn't worth the equation and she just started drifting away. Um, I stayed with it and I struggled for a long time trying to figure out what to do, but uh, that's basically what led me to that whole, that whole journey. And it took me about five years until I finally even asked myself, is there even a God? Yeah. Um, And then I got into those questions and I probably spent 10 years after that. um, Then digging into understanding all of this, like I've read tons of material on, um, I've read like Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ and The Case for Faith and all that. Yeah. I've read a lot of the the atheist material, Sam Harris and Hitchens and Dawkins and all that. I've read through tons of stuff trying to 
to break it down post and figure out, you know, what, how did I think that and whatever. My wife's done none of that. She could care less. Yeah. She thinks I'm a crazy maniac for reading that stuff and why I still care. But I, I find it super fascinating still. And, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm still on a journey constantly learning more about all of this and the world that we're in. So now yeah, well, God, yeah, God is real. And, uh, you know, you know, I think Jeff mentioned or Pearson mentioned, uh, Catholicism before and, and just thinking about Mormonism. Uh, but you know, Jesus says that there's, that he is the mediator between God and man and that you don't need to go through another man to get to God. Scott has yeah. the gift of prophecy and that's what he's doing right now. Jeff Whitney receive it. <laughs> Keep going, Scott. No, I think you ruined it already. Oh. <laughs> I'm, sorry. Oh, I'm sort of sorry. No, I'm actually yeah, sorry. That's, that's, you were talking. Mindset, though. Yeah. Seriously though. Keep going. You got more Scott? Now I feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> you should. I should. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So, so Jeff, I'm curious because, um, what you described is you guys kind of at the point where you move from Valencia down uh, to Orange County. Um, you describe a point where you guys kind of all agree, we need to take a break. Um, and and it was a combination of, it, it sounded like it was less theological and more just like the things that were associated with it between the requirements and the community were, were taking a toll on you and your family. And so, right. and so you have this, kind of little break here that you described sort of for five years and and so during that five years would you call yourself a mormon yeah 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 so, so yeah. at that point you're like i'm i'm still a mormon we're, we're I'm still a non-practicing mormon that's what i consider myself in the beginning and i i went through phases of okay i don't think mormon is right but i still believe in jesus and god so i consider myself a christian and then it just kept peeling away until I, I literally got to nothing left. And so I'm curious, like, uh, was was this like a, a hard break stop? Like, hey, it, never once in those five years did we ever go back to a Mormon church or ever engage right. with Mormons. Really, it was just, it was clean. It was a clean slate. Yep. So you moved down here. You didn't go to the one over the, the ward no. on Antonio and Oso? No, and they came to our house for years. You know, they would come by. They would try to get us to come. Uh, even we eventually had our names removed from the records. But even that, they sent a, a bishop out to our house to talk to us and really make sure it's what we really wanted to do. So it's a serious uh, thing. But yeah, we never went back to a ward after we left um, Valencia. And and I'm not trying to get like dirty laundry or anything like that, but I'm curious, would you mind sharing a little bit what that discussion was like with the bishop? This is fascinating because I this, these are these are pieces yeah. that I've never had filled in before, so I'm curious like w describe that scenario where the bishop comes over and it sounds like he kind of tries to talk you out of it. Yeah. So for I mean, uh, eventually they figured out that we where we were living and we were down here. So we didn't we didn't tell our, our, our ward we were at because they would have told our new bishop, hey, expect this family coming in. So they eventually figured it out, though, um, that we were gone from the other one and they figured out we were down here. And 
they started sending missionaries over and we said, not interested, not interested. And they're, you know, we, we just said, Hey, we're, yeah, you know, we were blowing them off really. We were dodging them, whatever. And then we, we eventually got to the point where we were like, nah, we're not interested. We'll let you know if we change our mind. And every once in a while they'd stop in and check on us. And it's very nice. You know, they'll, they'll bring you, bring you some cookies and say, see how you're doing or whatever. So it wasn't, I never felt like super pressured. My wife didn't love it, but I completely understand why they do that. And I have compassion for it. So I, I was not upset by that. But um, the part where the bishop actually came, so your your names go down in the records. And at one point, uh, we didn't remove our names from the records for probably, I don't know, man, it was, it was a long time. It was, it was well over, uh, it was that five years plus probably another five until we finally, and we decided we wanted our names off the records when the church started backing a lot of stuff that we didn't approve. And sorry, and so we were, I, I, yeah. I, I'm assuming, but, but maybe you can like, just, just uh, give the definition. What does that mean? Like name off the record? What? So, you know, when you pay tithing, you know, they have records of all of that and who you are. When you go to the temple, they have records of that and who you are. They give you all these these rights and privileges and things. And so our, our names were in all the books and our name was in the, the most important book where the one where these are the people who can be accepted into the celestial kingdom one day. Um, and we eventually, uh, you know, and even like the sealing, the marriage sealing, it's like a you get a document saying mm. you've been sealed and by who and what day. It's very like a marriage, essentially. And so they, they keep all those records forever and, it, and they count those people among their members. And whenever they're publishing numbers and everything, they're going to say all these numbers. And at one point it became important for us to not be associated with those numbers. And we had to fill out uh, or write letters to Salt Lake and request to be removed from the records. And when we did that, that's when the bishop came out to our house and said, hey, this is really serious. Are you sure you want to do this to your family? Wow. Uh, type of discussion. And it wasn't long. I mean, it was probably like five, 10 minutes. We chatted, we invited him in, he talked to us and told us we, they cared. And is there anything and wanted to know why and that sort of thing. And when we said, no, 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 he said, okay, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll finish it off. And so whatever paperwork he had to sign off on, he did. And our names were removed, but, uh, we went through that process. Yeah. And what was the reason that you gave him? Uh, we just said we didn't agree with uh, the church and we didn't believe it was true anymore. That's a big deal. How was that taken? Uh, I think he looked shocked. Um, yeah, I mean, it seemed shocking to him that we said that, but uh, I explained some of the stuff I just told you guys about. And, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what he could have said to change my mind. Um, I mean, I had been deconverted over the course of years. And so it wasn't something that I could have just switched. I would have to go back and fill in all this, uh, material to figure out, you know, how does this make sense still after what I've experienced? He probably didn't, he probably saw that and didn't fight too hard. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad conversation. I mean, it, it's a little weird when someone shows up your house and says, are you sure you want to damn your family to hell forever? <laughs> they didn't say it that way, but Sounds like a normal Thursday for Scott. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, so we eventually took our names off the records, even because uh, we were, we got to a point, like I said, we didn't believe it. And not only that, we didn't support what the church was doing on a lot of these, uh, the issues that were popping up. Yeah. What were a couple of those issues? Uh, the, the prop eight in California, gay marriage, we were definitely for that. And the church went all in to fight it. And we thought that was a huge mistake and that that was the wrong way to go. Yeah. And so we didn't want to be associated to that. And any, uh, any other one in particular? I know that's a big, uh, that's, that's a biggie. I mean, that, that one was the real big one, but. It's, I mean, they come down on the, the wrong side of their, in my view, the wrong side on a lot of these issues. And so, um, yeah, I, I didn't, uh, you know, anything with trans rights, uh, gay rights, um, we just weren't on the same page anymore. And so I think that was probably the biggest thing that bothered us. I mean, other than that, I love Mormons, <laughs> you know, like they're good people. I, I, they're, they're quality human beings. They're they're They, they, I mean that honestly, the, the biggest thing I wish they could do differently is I wish they loved everyone the way they love other members. They really care about you if you're a member okay. and they'll go out of their way to do anything for you. If you're a member, if you're not a member, then you're really, not you're not in the group and so they don't send that same love and i disagree with that view i i i'm more of a uh extend that same inner circle love to as many people as you can yeah so i went went to my my um niece got married to a mormon uh young man and this was i don't know how many years five five six years ago so they have four boys by now they have zero because they got divorced (gasps) oh um but i remember going i can't remember where what it wasn't in orange county it was somewhere else um and we had the they had the ceremony at the you know i don't know if it was a building it didn't it looked more like a gym than anything else but um you know, they we had they had the ceremony in one spot, and then we went to um, the. Um, why am I forgetting? After the wedding, you go to the reception. Reception, reception. yeah. And I got to talk with the father. You forget because fa- you're sorry. always hammered. <laughs> sorry, I uh, <laughs> got to talk with the father. I actually kind of I'm like I, I got to go talk with this guy. I wonder what he's thinking because my niece is not Mormon and they just got married unequally. Yoked. And they, I don't know, they met up at Berkeley, I think it was. And, and I don't know what happened, but we started conversing and then he found out who, who I was with and he just turned around and walked away. And, uh, and it was brutal. i just looked and thought, Oh, that's it. I remember uh I remember being a teenager and there was a little bit of like, oh, you're not one of us. 
And, right. and it was, I mean, it was cut and dry. I, I literally didn't exist the moment he found out who I was and who I was related to. And, and that was it. And I'm like that. Wow. That is, uh, they keep it in house and I totally get that. It's brutal. Yeah. And there's individual Mormons that, it, you know, sure. obviously every, they're all different. There's and some of them, yeah, some of them do it, but as a whole, I think that, that you definitely receive a way different treatment when you're one of the members. You you get every possible thing that they can throw at you. If you're sick, they're there. If you're moving, they're there. Everyone's together. You're with each other. You're in it. You're you know you're you got each other's backs. And we loved all of that. And that was really important. And that's one of the huge losses I had with with uh, leaving religion is losing all that community. Um, and I really have never fully replaced it, honestly. But um, yeah, that, that was a huge blow. And I really wish that they would extend that to everyone, including people that don't share their religious views on things, you know, on the on these other things. And so I don't know. I just think that's a better world to uh, to be part of. So I have a I have a question on what I want to get to is a couple a couple of things that really changed the game for you in terms of your spirituality and and why if there is a god it's very different than before a couple examples of that or if there is no god the reasons for that for you from your experience but before that i kind of want to butter your bread a little bit you have this humble demeanor and that uh, like a humble spirit that all of your recounting of your past and the harvest and your evangelical upbringing or, or the way you were then the Mormonism never once. Is it like you you have this bitterness against people? Give me a minute or two on wh- where do you get that? Where does that come from? Even the, in the midst of you might, you, I mean, to me you, personally, like in our backyard, you called, you called yourself an atheist. I don't know if you still refer to yourself. Or you want to unpack that in a minute, but yeah, there's there's like zero bitterness from you. I'm not getting any bitterness over all of this transition, which usually these transitions result in broken families and broken marriages. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not bitter. Beca- I mean, and honestly, this is one of the reasons I love your guys' podcast is because um, I I don't I don't. I, I don't look at myself and think I have, I know the answers and I I've got this all figured out and I'm right. And everybody else is wrong. Oh, oh no. we lost him. Is he coming back? Come on back to us. Jeff Whitney and everybody else is wrong. Frozen. Wow. The universe is like, no, some people are wrong. Well, I'm really glad that we ended at a place where he says he loves the podcast, and it's always good to meet a fan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Literally, we're looking at Jeff Whitney's face, and he's frozen. Can you hear us, Scott? Are you still there, Scott? Yeah, still here. Okay. All right. Well, in this this intermission, I do want to say, Scott, you were preaching, and I I, I went for a... A pretty limp laugh, and I uh, cut you off, and I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it really killed the mood there, Zach. I know, but I didn't mean it. I didn't mean to actually kill the mood. Well, it wasn't mention, worth it. 
also Jeff's salvation uh, hangs in the balance. So there's that too. Maybe he was, maybe he was struck by well, lightning just now. It's possible. Yeah, and I mean he's he seemed like he was really seeking and um, uh, the the extent to which he's tying. I wasn't sure on the extent to which he's tying Mormonism to Jesus uh, being real. Um, yeah, I think so we'll I'm, get there a little bit. I think I think we might get there. That's what I was trying to set up is where he's at in terms of uh, those big questions that cause him to like, no, nah, maybe maybe this whole God thing isn't for me. And so stand by. Maybe and we'll, we'll see. We'll Depending we'll on how this goes, maybe we'll end up uh, hitting the edit button and cutting a little bit of this out. Or maybe we're going to hang in the balance and the listener is going to be uh, on their edge of their seat wondering, is Jeff Whitney going to return? So just to sum up, everybody, Jeff Whitney... <laughs> Uh, Christian Harvest breaks away, meets, well, uh, dating his now wife in high school. Uh, Tara. Goes to the Mormon church, friend invites him, and uh, he starts, and uh, away, away he goes for many, many years. There he is. Hey. All right. It's all right. No worries. I, uh, I had my phone on a wireless charging dock and it overheated. So sorry about that. Well, this conversation has been intense. <laughs> I know. It's true. We, we were just getting to the part where you're an atheist, or is it an agnostic? Yes. A- oh, are you yes. serious? Atheist. I I am an atheist. Yes, no. that's how I would describe myself. And uh, I I kind of went through a period where I called myself agnostic. Um, but, but I have figured it then, out. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I, I actually, uh, the reason why I don't like the word agnostic anymore is just because I don't think, I mean, uh, to me, you either are convinced there's a God or you are not. And so there's really only two choices and you could say you don't know, but in life you've got to either go to church or not go to church. And so if you're going and doing it, then I would consider you someone that believes it or convinced of it. And if you're not, then you're someone who's not convinced of it. And so agnostic really doesn't help it, to me based on that. Oh, so I, oh, sorry. I don't consider, I mean, I, I, I would consider myself agnostic on everything and set on in the sense that I don't feel like I have, perfect knowledge of anything really okay i like well, i like that better and zach you were digging a little so go ahead well i mean what, what do you think about this like i'm i'm agnostic i i don't know what i consider myself i'm i guess a, a jesus-y agnostic jesus believer if that's even a right. thing but if you if god is love i i truly believe that that agape love is the transformational power in the world. And if God is that, then God exists. What do you think about that definition? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'd have to think about that, but I think I could probably go for it. Um, I think that where I break down is any, the traditional sense. I, at this point, I am not, I guess I, I would say I am not convinced that there is a being that uh, this a higher power that has especially given us laws and things that we need to follow and things that we need to do. 
Um, so I would consider, since I don't believe that, I'm not convinced of that, I would consider myself an atheist, that I do not believe in the God claim. And, what, and I know that the word God can be all kinds of things. And so you have to really, I honestly don't like a lot of these labels. I'd rather just ask someone, hey, what do you, you know, tell me what you think, because the labels get too confusing. Yeah. It's too hard to really know what someone actually thinks. But from my perspective, I am not convinced that there is actually a God um, of any kind. And uh, I don't, I don't claim to believe that there is no God. I don't think I can prove that even to myself. So I don't believe that there's a hundred percent, this doesn't exist, but there's not enough evidence to suggest that there is from my view. And what is, what is uh, Scott? I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I know you, you're going to want to jump in here, but uh, going backwards a little bit to right before we broke, um, a couple of things that just were too much that you couldn't overcome that resulted in you being like, nope, I, I don't think so. I don't think this is legit. I mean, the first big thing was that a prayer was failing me. So yeah. just, and, and my prayer was, please tell me how to lead my family and how I should live my life and not being able to get that prayer answered in a way that was satisfying to me in any way. Um, and I was open and I was not only open, but I mean, I was, I, I, I spent 10 years fulfilling every piece of Mormonism that I could. So I would follow something. I just needed to know what it was that God wanted from me. And I thought if I pray, I was going to get that. And after not getting that for so long and uh, kind of eventually giving up uh, on it altogether, that that was really the thing that's, that started me off to start investigating everything else. And since then, I've looked at tons of things and, you know, but these weren't the things that convinced me. The thing that really convinced me and got in my heart of hearts was I wasn't, be, I wasn't getting any kind of a direction for years. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't understand how any concept, any concept of God I'd ever been told how that made sense. I, I didn't, I just didn't know why that would make sense. Why would I not get any kind of answer? And, um, yeah. And so that, that's really, that that was like the, the major thing that had me, okay, well, maybe this isn't there. And then I've just gone further and further. And the more that I learn about the natural world, the less that makes sense of a lot of these stories. Um, and a, more, a lot more of the critiques that I've heard, I find myself siding more and more with the critiques against uh, Christianity. But like I said, I've never got to a point where I'm like, it is a fact. There's no God. It's not possible. I can prove it. I, I definitely would not consider myself that kind of atheist. I know they, those kind exist. I'm more the kind that is like, I'm waiting for some kind of reason to, uh, to do this. But to be honest, it's, it would be a big, a big task. Like I've even thought, what would it take now to change my mind? And there's so many things that I would have to, it would have to make sense to me. Like I, one of the things is why was I, why did I spend five years praying and nothing? 
and now my family are all going to be atheists and you're going to save me 20 years later. And now, now what am I going to do now? Now my whole family is screwed. So I don't know. I mean, there'd be a lot of stuff that would have to be, be explained to make that makes any kind of sense to me. Yeah. That makes sense. You have, so you have lived your life and your family has followed you. So your kids as you, they're living this life. But when you were younger, you were living the life that your family had bestowed on right. you. And so your children, do you believe they're going to go out and, uh, well, they're going to, I mean, we all make our own path. Um, but do you, do you feel that you have given them a leg up or shortchanged them at all in this process? One way or the yeah, other. Yeah, I actually, I actually, uh, I I feel like I've been better able to explain, um, you know, and, and this is a complicated topic of morality and things like that. But yeah, I feel like um, I've been able to provide my kids with more with tools on how to think yeah. about problems, and I don't usually. I, I try to tend to way shy away from saying this is what you should think, which is what my parents told me. And then when I asked why they would not know, um, I tried to say, you know, you should consider this or you should think about this when you're thinking about it. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of benefits with uh, secular, secular morality. And I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that I was massively damaged uh, over my life with that my kids aren't burdened with things like, um, uh, like I, I, for like, uh, you know, one, one thing to uh, point out is like, I don't view masturbation as wrong. I, I think that's fine. And I think it's totally normal for teenage boys, especially in te- teenagers and period girls and boys. Hey, uh, and, uh, Zach, you missed this. Uh, <laughs> Jeff was just talking about it. He just said whacking off is cool. Ah, it's fine with me. Just so, I yeah, don't, I, sorry for I the don't, listeners. Zach had just stepped outside, probably to go to the restroom. Hopefully not to do what Jeff was talking about. <laughs> it was, I was quick, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like I was told it was extremely forbidden and I had a massive hang up over that for a, my basically until I was 30. Until well, yeah, if you, long, the <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> if you don't touch yourself for that long, guilt. If you don't touch yourself for that long, it's going to be a. <laughs> I uh, did, but I just had guilt. Oh, and yeah. I, and I think everyone does. And then so now you just have guilt. And I don't know. I That's one thing that really hurt me in my life. And I struggled with massively with that guilt for so long until I didn't. And I just dropped it. And so the things that I view as moral are not the same things before. And really, to me, it comes down to what, you know, what's, what's the reasoning and are you hurting somebody else or are you hurting yourself? So things like uh, I was able to drop things like, uh, you know, God wants this specific day to be, you know, Sunday is this, you know, you do these certain things. Um there was no, that didn't make any kind of sense, but things like don't steal from people, don't kill people. Those have, uh, you know, rooting in things we can all see. And so I, that's how I've tried to teach my kids at least. So that's interesting because one of the things that sticks out to me when you mentioned that 
Um, and and I think that your your ex, your one example of uh, of Sunday being like like God has determined this one specific day um, is is probably indicative of like a larger set of of these uh, real or implied mandates that God has placed in in terms of just ritual and 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 practices and things like that. But um, but how did you kind of reconcile that with like a, with a, a comment from Jesus who's saying that Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath, where he kind of sets up this scenario where he's saying, um, uh, we're, we're not supposed to serve these uh, rituals or these uh, these activities necessarily. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe one thing is that in the Mormon church, it's very specific of what you can and can't do on Sunday. And so you're not supposed to watch football and stuff and you're not supposed to do those things. People do it. Um, but it is pretty, you're supposed to, Sunday is supposed to be for worshiping God, visiting the sick and afflicted. <laughs> and that's about it. You're not even supposed to go swimming or anything like that. I don't think there's anything wrong going yeah. swimming on Sundays. So, and so, so I'm going to, and I did, I used to when yeah. I was younger. Yeah. So, so, uh, in your, in your current state, like, <laughs> forgive me for putting it this way. Let's say that like, if we read that, that passage in scripture where Jesus is talking, he's effectively releasing you from that. And he's saying, it's okay to watch football on Sunday. It's okay right. to go swimming on Sunday. I'm what I'm curious about is like, um, because because you lived in this world so so long, and many and most Mormons do. Where and I remember going to my high school growing up was across the street from a Mormon uh, church. So lots of lots of my friends were Mormons as well, and they and they would there would be that common uh, phrase that I would hear: "We're Christians too." Um, and so so what I'm curious about is you remove yourself from the church. Um, you still had this background in Christianity. Obviously, the Bible the the Bible, the same Bible that we we use as Christians, is the same is the same Bible that uh, Mormons use. Um, I think so, right? That's that is yeah, accurate. King right? James, King, yeah, King James. So we, the Mormons use the King James version, and they even have like a specific one that has a few verse alterations. Okay, well, but I, it, I, it's I, basically the same thing. It's yeah. the King key, James Bible. A key theological point, I, I think. That is key. Yes. And that and that's part of the problem is, yeah, I guess depending on what set of rules, I will have a different objective injection. So if you say that the Sabbath is fine to to swim and whatever, then we agree. <laughs> I'm totally down with that. <laughs> yeah. And so that was the thing that I was kind of curious about because a lot of what you've described here, like um I guess I'm really zooming in on the uh telestial planet. <laughs> Right. <laughs> the celestial level, Jesus's level. Uh, um, what you described, I don't think, in many ways, is in conflict with the things that Jesus did and said when he was on Earth. Um, and this is not my like. This is not a thinly veiled attempt to like convince you that you're a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> but you might be. Don't inter- please, please do not interpret it that way. I'm, that's not my attempt to try to do that. We're trying to get our first conversion here, Jeff. <laughs> I know, and maybe it's going to happen. <laughs> it, it probably won't on this podcast. But if we give you enough drinks, you'll never know. <laughs> um, but but I'm kind of curious about that about that too because a lot of what like what you described. 
um, leaving leaving the church still the things that you love and that you value today are it's effectively an extension of of what you experienced within the community of the Mormon Church. A lot of it, and saying, shouldn't this be the case for everybody? Should shouldn't yeah. we treat everyone like this? So I, I guess uh, what how, what I might say to that is that um, is that all the stuff that you can learn that's good you can learn without the Bible, really. Like you can you you can learn stealing is bad and why, and me yeah I might say in the Bible don't steal, but you can learn that outside of the Bible. So the stuff that the Bible adds. I think just makes it more confusing because the, you have that verse that you read, but you have other verses um, that might say something different. And then you have to think, well, that's old Testament. So that was superseded and you got to do lots of, of thinking. But if you just put all of it aside, you can kind of look and know what's good and bad. If you're hurting somebody else, this is not a good thing. You should not be hurting other people. And I know it's more complicated. I get it. There's war and there's reasons for defense and everything, but totally even, even the laws given in, in, uh, in the Bible are not really clear enough. You have to add a ton more on top of them. Like the law of don't kill. It's not really don't kill. It's, you know, don't it's kill don't under murder. certain circumstances. Yeah. And it's still not even clear. What, what if? What if it? What if you have to kill one to save ten? Like it's not really. But but you strike me as questions. a guy. You strike me as a guy who who likes getting into those details, though. Yeah, and so I've gotten into those details, but I found that the Bible makes it harder to understand what's really going on in almost all of these things. Like the the one example I gave at the beginning, the the um, masturbation example. Jesus specifically says, if you look upon a woman uh, and lust after in your heart, you've committed adultery. And like that terrified me as a, as a, and I don't, I just do not believe that. I don't think that's equivalent. I, I, I don't think a thought crime is equivalent to an actual crime. So I think there's a big difference. And, and I don't think that, I mean, could the Bible have gone into more detail? Maybe, but it didn't. And so now you're left with a bunch of people trying to tell you what it meant. And you're going to have a million different interpretations of what that is. And so it just doesn't, to me, help get to a moral good place where you can get there by using um, outside Bible thinking. Yeah. And I get where you're coming from. It does. I get where you're coming from. I can can see how you get to this place because if you... If you compound that, where you're in a place for five years, looking for personal revelation through prayer, and that well is empty for you, that's the those two things together are really tough to reconcile. Right, and and really, I think it led me to this question, and and I know that the, one of the things that I love about the podcast, honestly, honestly, is Zach asking this question constantly, which is, uh, <laughs> wait, I, I never wait, asked wait, this wait, question. wait, say this, whatever you're going to say, yeah, just say it really I slowly. Will. It is. <laughs> what is the score I'll, of I the Lakers throw Zach game? One bone here, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, like the the whole fact that uh, you know, I, I realized in that five year period that. I didn't really know why I believed 
And when I looked at it, I was like, well, because my parents told me that was the answer. Honestly, I didn't really sit down and look at all the religions and then say, yeah, this is the one that's correct. I didn't do that. I was told what to believe. And then I was essentially indoctrinated in that belief system. And, um, and once it started breaking down, it allowed me to ask myself the question, well, if that was a bad reason, well, then what is your reason? And I realized I had no reason. And then I started searching for a reason. And every reason I would try to find, like morality, I found there was a better answer outside of the Bible. I think there's a better way to live a moral life that didn't involve not drinking coffee. And I know you guys are not at that level, but drinking coffee was a massive sin in Mormonism. And I realized there's no reason why I can't drink coffee. And I get it. You don't want to be addicted to caffeine and things. And I understand these concepts, but making a rule, you can't drink coffee and tea is so much less effective than saying don't abuse substances. (laughs) It sounds like when you say addicted to caffeine, like it's a bad thing. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, that, it's it's taught that way in Mormonism, right? And so every depending on what religion you're a part of, you're going to have a different set of I know. things that are not good and not good. But when you ask yourself why, you either end up with a real reason or you end up with, well, I don't know. God said, my parents said, something said, and those became just really unsatisfying. And yeah, so I, yeah. I, and I think yeah. that's fair. And, and I think as we get older, I think that um, like one thing that I've recognized in my faith is uh, getting comfortable with recognizing the areas that are they're not related to salvation, and that that there is there's some level of ambiguity there, and that those are those are not necessarily mountains that I need to die on, and and allowing people to have flexibility between those things. Um, I think that's a, I think that's a, um, Zach's messing with my chair right now. Sorry, you, you can feel that? Sorry. I could feel that. What are you doing? Stay focused, Andy. <laughs> I can't stay focused now. He's touching me. I was touching your lumbar. <laughs> but, uh. God told him to do it. But also, but also zeroing, zeroing in on those things that are essential and saying, uh, I'm finding these core essential truths and, um, I think Paul kind of like, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase Paul a little bit here, which is. You know, That's the best way to read Paul, is to paraphrase yeah. him. Unity in the things that are essential and charity in the things that are non-essential. Yeah. And um, and I'm actually quoting an old school, uh, I think that's Black Eyed Siva, a late 90s Christian wow. Christian band. Tooth and Nail? They went to my uh, church in Santa Barbara. We did, we skipped over this, Jeff. I, I went to Westmont. My wife went to UCSB. We stayed in Santa Barbara right. for a few extra years. Lived in CARP for a couple of years. Miss it. Um, maybe yeah, I, I miss it too. Maybe we'll retire one day to Carpinteria. Such, <laughs> it's like the last it's cool. It's so great. It's the last cool little surf town. Well, Andy, why don't you and Jeff had a conversation? Go ahead. Jeff, uh, did you ever go to El Sitio, the greatest Mexican <laughs> restaurant that's ever existed? It's fantastic. Uh, but, but as you described that, like, that's something that stuck, uh, that stuck out to me is just, um, locking into those things. And as, as you'd mentioned before, like, I think we hold so many of the non-essentials tightly because they've been handed to us and maybe handed to us in a way when in our youth where they were described as essentials. Manipulative and gross. 
or like unintentionally manipulative right, right. or just yeah they are what they are but then as we grow older we realize like the things that uh become really important we, we're yeah. able to narrow in on the the true uh essentials so um i know i know exactly what you're talking about and and uh and actually i feel like i probably was more like scott um scott seems to be like that's one of the reasons i love listening to you for talk because scott represents this view of more bible literalism and accepting all of the things in there and i was never able to do what some of you guys can do of well this stuff i'm going to discard but this stuff i'm going to take it was an all or nothing kind of adventure for me when i was in it and when all broke down, I didn't have a mechanism to just say, well, w- this stuff is right and that stuff is wrong. And when I started doing that, I realized, well, I can do that on my own. I, I don't even need this book anymore to do that. And so I'm either going to follow it or I'm going to, you know, so that's kind of the process. And so I don't know if that helps make sense, but that's why I like listening to you guys discuss with Scott, you know, You'll say something like that, like, oh, you know, that's not that's not the core, but he'll point out, well, that's what it says. And so how do you dismiss some of the stuff that maybe you don't don't like or that doesn't meet with your understanding currently, but it's still in there? Um, uh, Is Scott still there, by the way? I feel like at this point he should say something. Scott's actually reading through the Bible right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's there on the screen are you still there scott i heard him giggle yeah yeah you, you guys were going good just <laughs> <laughs> he's well, just he's just waiting for us to commit heresy so he based can jump on what, over us based on what mr jeff whitney just said i i think if scott think is going scott to is lose his faith or if scott beliefs change it's gonna be the all or nothing all or nothing thing if i can speak english interesting why why would you think that um just based on what jeff just said and uh it's it's not a critique it's it's like you i I don't know you were mentioned in jeff's comments so what do you think scott yeah i i go back to a more fundamental aspects of god and uh just existence um it's it seems to me that uh existence without a a god at least you know just a generic god uh is impossible and then uh going from there okay well what does that mean what are the implications of that and what and then can we know if god has communicated with humanity um, and then of course prophecy through you know given in in the uh, the old testament uh, about events that uh happened a few hundred years later uh, to me that's that's a big confirmation that the bible is uh that's how god has communicated with humanity and so for you it's it's the the trust in the authority of the bible is is what helps you maintain your faith 
Um, I, well, I, I'm not. I'm not sure what that all means. Um, but it's just for, forget forget authority or whatever. It's okay. This, this was this was written historically at a specific time. And can and, we believe it? And the it was written before the events happened. To me, that that's significant. Okay. Um, and the authority the authority is doesn't rest in the Bible because it's the Bible. It the authority rests in God speaking through people and him and and God confirming that he that he was actually speaking through them. So when they're declaring things, they they confirm that he was speaking through them. Uh, hey Scott, I got a question for you regarding uh, Mr. Jeff um, praying for five years and not hearing from God. What's your take on that? W- what does the Bible say? Yeah, so I mean, and, and Jeff knows. Um, probably, I don't know. Um, I don't know if the other Jeff knows. Just seeking. The, the Pearson <laughs> Jeff knows. <laughs> Sorry. Shut up, Scott. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Me um, neither. I love you. Uh, but but Jesus, uh, you know, it said a few it, a few times, uh, uh, seek me and you will find me. Um, knock and the door will be open. Uh, and why after five years? I'm not sure, but that promise still holds true. So Jeff, I think I I know that God will reveal Himself to you, and it it does complicate things. I think a little bit with. The Mormon aspect, because you might have uh, uh, asked God already, and He confirmed that He was that that Mormonism Mormonism was true because of you know there was a burning in your bosom uh, potentially, uh, but God will reveal Himself to you. That that is a promise if you truly seek Him. Yeah, I think the Mormon part actually did mess me up because it provided me a different experience than I think what, what, what you guys might have had, which is I had been in two different religions as full-blown member. You know, like I was uh, raised my whole life as a pretty devoted Christian and then became a Mormon my whole 20s. And I realized when I look back on it, I was wrong at least once about what God wanted from me. And I was like, man, I am by definition wrong once in my life massively. How can I discern what truth is? And and what did I why did I even do that before? Was I just kidding myself or did I really have truth? And was it in the first one or was it in the second one? Right. Or maybe both of them were wrong and there was a third one that I just hadn't found. And the more you start thinking about that, it just doesn't make sense. That's interesting. I, I, yeah, I, I, I we could go so much longer on this, but I I want to ask you like what what is it in you that that felt like because you were wrong once like I wish I was only wrong majorly once in my life, but I can you know I've got to take off my shoes and I'm, I'm going to lose track of how many times I've been massively wrong in my life. Yeah, it felt like it wasn't that I was wrong; it's that I or, or it was that. I was convinced absolutely that God wanted me to do live a certain way when yeah. I was a Christian and then when I was a Mormon and they were contradictory. And I realized that I couldn't discern between which one was actually right and which one wasn't. And 
I, and, and I'm still trying to figure out, like, even if I, 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 like, even if I had some inkling right now that, oh, maybe I missed something here. I need to go back and look at it. I mean, which one, which, which interpretation, which verses do I pick and which do I not? Do I throw out the Old Testament and say that the New Testament replaced it? Do I accept the Old Testament? There's so many different ways. There's infinity ways to approach this. And I realized that I didn't know how to do it because I was, by definition, already wrong at least once. And I felt like I was absolutely right. That's the real difference between me now and then. I felt like I was 100% right and accurate in both of those two scenarios that were both contradictory. And now I just don't think I'm right. And I don't even know if I have access to being right. Um, Do you feel better? So I try to live the best life I can, hoping that if, if there is something there that, you know, uh, I'm going to get a fair shake. And honestly, if if there's something that God wants me to do, he can tell me at any time, (laughs) which feels more comfortable to you to be in a place where you feel like you're always right. Or to be in a place where you know that you're, uh, you are wrong sometimes. So do you want to be Scott Uh, Scott or Zach? Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When, when I'm always right, that's when it feels the most comfortable. Oh, I felt yeah. more secure when I had all the answers. You I know. know. When I, I feel that yeah, way, I too. Felt, I felt much more secure that way. But I'm actually finding uh, comfort in not knowing. Like, I don't know. I, you go back to Big Bang and like what uh, Scott was saying, we exist. How did that happen? Yeah, it's crazy. Like, you look at people. How could this just be here? Some weird accident. Where did, you know. Where did even everything come from? Like when you think about those questions, they're so ridiculous that it's, you've got, it's, you can't even envision what the answer is. And it's good to think, oh, God did it. But my current state is, I don't know. I have no idea what happened before the Big Bang. I honestly barely understand the Big Bang. I'm not a scientist. I know what I've learned and read about it, but I don't. I don't understand these concepts of, you know, 0.0 microns after Planck time, you know, such and such laws of (laughs) physics existed. It's like, who knows this stuff? We're all, you know, if anyone is claiming to know what happened before that, I say you don't. Well, and (laughs) even, even, even that big bang, I think Dawkins, uh, Dawkins has kind of gone away from the big bang and he's floated. Right. There's new models coming. Right. We just don't know. We don't know. And to me, it doesn't matter. It's like I can live and still be effective and be a good person here without knowing the answer to that question. And I become comfortable with it. But in in my younger years, I was absolutely uncomfortable with that. I wanted to know all the answers. Man, that is so good. I really appreciate your humility. And um, I just wish more of the world could embody the way you you come at life which is humility and grace and mercy and i think these things and maybe not i don't know the world needs a little bit more of that well, a lot more of that right now but thank you so much for all you've given i i don't think this is going to be the last thing cuz what i want you to do is the next time you read something where you're like, I've got a passion about this thing and I want to talk about it. Hit me up 
and we'll talk about it because that's that's the good part about this podcast is having those conversations. But I would love to come back on and flip it around because I would love to ask ooh. you guys a, a few reasons about, you know, like my question, I realized in my life at one point that I didn't know why I believed those things other than my parents had told me. And I'm curious, have you ever examined why you think there's a God? And you've even asked some of these questions before, so I don't know how, I, I don't know if I've yeah. heard in depth answers. I would love to hear. That would be you know, good though. I think that could yeah. be great. That's good. Jeff feels it because he feels it, by the way. That's the answer. <laughs> Jeff right. has a burning in his bosom. Which feels it. You know about that also, other Jeff. Experience it. Feel it. <laughs> you, know, you guys just stay away from me. Just feel just, it. Let's finish. Let's land the plane I here. Feel All right. It. Before I we land, it, I feel it. Before we land, I feel like everyone has something to contribute to the segment we sometimes do called What Are You Consuming? Does anybody <laughs> want to go first? I took the kids. Uh, we went camping in, at Newport Dunes. And for listeners who don't know what Newport Dunes is, it's this like lagoon in Newport Beach where you can camp right down there. And they've got these gigantic inflatable. It's a, the equivalent of like bouncy houses on the water. And there's like two story high things that you can climb up on. The short version of this is I wrecked myself trying to jump off a few of these things. And like at one point, they're not fully inflated. So when you like dig down to, to really push off and jump off this thing, it gives a little bit too much and it's slippery. And there's <laughs> one that I just went fully sideways about 12 feet off the ground, off well, the water. As you were, you were probably trying to like dig in to get the maximum. I was jump. digging in. I was going to attempt to impress my daughter with a flip. And instead it was just straight, <laughs> perfectly like parallel to the water, horizontal and just slapped. And it hurt so bad. <laughs> and it hurt bad enough that I couldn't even like fake that it didn't hurt. <laughs> so I'm sitting there like, oh. So Andy is consuming oh, humility. I consumed a good good dose of humility on that day. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, Scott, what are you consuming? Uh, uh, that's cool, man. I used to live at the Dunes. I lived there for six months. That's those, great. Those, those uh, yeah. Cool. Place is party town, man. Uh, I am um, consuming big ideas. Um, can't reveal them yet, but uh, it's huge. It's like it's an ace huge. of spades for the Democrats and Republicans. Ooh. Just holding on to it. It's huge. It's huge. Um, He's moving. Some might call it significant. Oh, yeah. Um, Has it never been bigger? Wait, you have a girlfriend? No, that would that would require a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Scott, so... Although this is this is this this could be maybe miraculous as well. But wow! Oh my uh, god! Do you have a timetable on when you might reveal more information? Uh, yeah, weeks, few weeks, maybe. Okay. Oh, we'll see. Is it is it over exciting. over <laughs> under uh, my belly flop story? Wait, what? <laughs> uh, well, your your story was great, Andy. Really great. You Hard sound like Donald that. Trump. <laughs> It's uh, great. It's amazing. It's great. It's great. It's good. Your story was great. All right, Jeff, do you have something? Uh, I've been consuming Peaky Blinders. It's a Netflix. Ooh, that's good. It's a Netflix show. Uh, I had a friend who said, "Oh, my wife and I just finished this." And I'm like, "I oh, skipped over that 
all the time. Okay, I'll click on it. It was in my algo too. It was it was yeah. always there, and I keep skipping it. I yeah. still haven't watched I'm in it. A, a season two right now. It's a it's a fun. It's a fun show. It's dark, right? It's nice. kind. Of, it's kind of dark, right? Show. Yeah, it's it's dark and like mysterious. There's like a kind of a fantasy element. No, sounds like no. you're describing God now. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just you know, it's just old school. Uh, you know, back in the day, uh, England. It's a show. Go look it up. You can. They can read the description. All right, Zach. Let's go. All right. Oh my God, God, I love when you get like that with me, Scott. Yeah, this is exciting. Um, now, this is uh, partly due to Jeff Whitney. Uh, for the purposes of this podcast, real Jeff. Um, oh, my gosh, the show. Oh, uh, Raised by Wolves on HBO. Yes. Sci-fi show. Uh, maybe you can talk about this a little more because you mentioned you were watching it and I'm just scratching the surface, but there is a definite, it's a sci-fi show about these two androids named Mother and Father that go to a planet escaping a destroyed Earth or an Earth bound for destruction and they go to this other planet to with uh, seven different embryos to start new life. And they're both androids they're not real but they're very they're very real but they're not actual humans and there's an interplay there's a faith science atheist versus faith interplay that's pretty fascinating that's less you might assume that hbo would do a thing backing on religion or or discarding it uh for the for the sake of atheism but there's a little more interplay that's pretty fascinating in that show and so that's what i'm drilling into right now is that new? Yeah, we're we're yeah. watching that too. Oh, okay. That's good. I, I love the Raised by Wolves right now, and I've 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 been I've I've watched a lot of the stuff you guys talked about too. Like we binged alone all of those yeah. seasons. That was some good stuff. Yeah. So, and I've seen Peaky Blinders. So, always on the hunt for something good and new. We just started one called Ratchet. Oh, just came out on Netflix, rapid. right? I couldn't click yeah. on that. She was too, it was, that was just too much. Uh, she, it's, it's a little bit gruesome, but it's not quite, it's, it's not that bad. That's not really the bulk of it. Um, there's a little, there are a few shots where it gets a little gory, but it's more like a suspense thriller kind of thing. And I don't know, we've only seen one so far, but it's interesting. Yeah, uh, it just looked too devious for me. And, uh, and I'm a believer. I know you're not. And so just, I just, there's certain <laughs> things I'll watch. Maybe that's why I'm drawn to it. <laughs> It'll be on next week's. What are you consuming? Uh, that's good. I, I can only do the, uh, what was the guy? This is years ago, and he would only kill people that were bad. He was Dexter. Dexter. I can only watch stuff like Dexter and the Sopranos, oh, yeah. you know, old school. That's cool. You don't have any mental problems. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's good. Jeff, man, thanks so much for jumping on with us. It was fascinating to hear your story. Thanks for sharing all that yes. detail. I mean, that's that's a lot of just personal stuff, and it's uh, it's fascinating to hear that. And it's not fascinating like a scientist looks in at a, an aquarium, but it's just fascinating as hearing one person who uh, gets, to, gets to hear a story from another person about their life and their interactions with uh, community and faith and wrestling through what all this stuff means. So I appreciate you jumping on and, and It's how the that. world grows. It's how the world gets better is through what you just did right now. And I, 
I'm I'm saying something broad and expansive about our podcast, but that's the way the world changes. Is from honest conversations. And if you want to flip the script, you let me know when you're ready with your questions for all of us. That could be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, and this is what you guys do for me. I get to see a different perspective all the time. And so you're you guys do way more than I do. I show up one time, you're there every two weeks. So <laughs> well, most of most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks a lot, Scott. Hey. Screwing our Solid. podcast. It's probably my fault, yeah. All your fault. Well, yeah. thanks so much. No, but I, it's a it's a pleasure. I love listening to you guys and thanks for having me on. Right yeah, on. Thank you, Thanks Jeff. All right. Grace, and peace, hopefully cheers. Hopefully next time we could be in person soon. Yeah. I'm uh, working on my uh, updating my uh, my quarantine protocol. So we'll see. Ho- hopefully that'd be fun to, to, to meet up in person. I don't do the beer, but I do bourbon. Hell and, yeah. Uh, I love bourbon. We I'll do bring bourbon. some bourbon. All right. Sounds yeah, good. Let's, let's do it November 4th. It'll be a Wednesday, <laughs> but that'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> November fourth. I think we're we're all gonna need some bourbon on that. Day. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter what happens, we'll need it. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Either way, we're gonna need it. Some old white guy's gonna be president. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. This, this is true. Well, thanks for joining us, Jeff and uh, listeners. Thanks for listening in. Make sure that you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you get a chance, because the reason that's important is it helps us get into the algorithms of other people so if you like us it gives a chance for other people who are like you to like us i like other people's algorithms and also add bros bibles beer on all the socials and bros bibles beer at gmail.com and we have the voicemail which no one's taken us up on yet have they or have we no. just not checked it we, we, well we haven't checked it but anchor.fm slash bbb pod you can leave a voicemail to tell us how we're doing great, terrible, or anything in between. Actually, or if you have a topic or a question that we can uh, do a terrible job of answering, feel free to throw that out there. Whatever you want. Uh, it's anchor.fm slash bbbpod. Perfect. Awesome. Boom. Hey, bye, Scott. Yeah. Scott's still on there. <laughs>